it's always good to come and talk comics with you guys. I've got Marco with me. Yeah, hello. And we're going to be talking about a lot of books this week. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of books. We've got uh, just the two of us, so, you know, we can do what we want. And uh, I want to talk about more books than what we had initially uh, advertised. Um, we've got uh, X-Men Red, number 18, the finale of the series. Okay, uh, okay. Like yep, yep, yep. We have Immortal Thor, number five. We have Luke Cage, Gang War, number two. Action Comics, or I'm sorry, uh, Masterpiece, number one. Uh, Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees, number two. Action Comics, 1060. And Titans, Beast World, number two. So as you can see, you know, we clearly went, uh, we clearly went a little nuts today. <laughs> but, you know, I want to talk comics. So let's get it all. Let's get it started. Uh, let's talk X-Men Red, number 18. Um, yeah, noir comics, pals. Yeah, this was Tyler's uh, invention. We used it for the Sin City book club, and uh, for some reason, it's stuck right now. Uh, anyway, this is by Al Ewing, who is ending his run with art from Yildere Sinar, uh, colors by Federico Blee, Ariana Mayer on the letters. Um, yeah, this is the finale issue, and I think it's pretty good. It's really good. Um, I've not kept up with this series, but this, uh, this issue alone was just action-packed fun. Um, the, it paced out really well. Uh, I didn't feel like I needed as much context to kind of just jump in and be like oh there's a fight oh it's a final fight and there there's a whole bunch of stakes kind of uh at risk here and uh man from the moment that genesis just yells out rise Araco and people start throwing hands i was sold in yeah i go ahead sorry with some caveat to the giant islands fighting but you know I didn't love the uh, the island fight. Um, a little cheesy. Yeah, I thought that was kind of stupid. Um, like when in the last issue, when uh, and we shouldn't be black and white anymore. We got that sorted out. Hey. But um, uh, <laughs> Q-Lumbo says, you guys look how I feel. We look how I feel too. Don't worry. <laughs> I hate this place. Um, so when the in the first issue or in the last issue when we saw the giant Karakoa or whatever its name is um yeah. pop up i was like okay that's pretty cool and i thought that 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 the that you know the the planet uh would be rising up to help turn the tide i didn't realize that it was just going to be a big kaiju fight which is one of my least favorite things in comics and it happens way 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 too often um so i was pretty annoyed and turned off by the fact that um, that that was where it was going. And I'm glad that that wasn't really the focus of things mm. because there is a pressing issue. There, I mean, there are several pressing issues that the book had to deal with. And Ewing, Ewing spends the time he needs to spend appropriately um, in all cases. Like we get payoff to so many things. There, there are things we don't get payoff to. Um, but we get payoff to so many things and... For those of us who've been along for the ride the entire time, 
this was a beautiful issue. Yeah. Um, Koarak. Koarak is the the name of the island. And um, yeah, I feel like the X-Men, and the X-Men in particular, suffer from kaiju for some reason. I, I, I don't know why they've decided to go all in on this thing, but whatever. Um, I'm not sure what specifically you're, you're referring to in terms of things that didn't close out. I, I, again, I haven't kept up as, as much as you have with this one. So I feel like, uh, I didn't, if there was something missed, I didn't, I didn't feel it, which I think at the very least, um, to Ewing's credit, he's able to guide a story, um, and whether or not the, the threads might be loose here or there, I think, uh, is, a a signifier that he's just really good at his craft uh and the art solid man um maybe some form issues of people being a little squat but i think otherwise just really good all right so let's let's settle in because that was all over the map you mentioned not knowing what i was talking about regarding things that didn't get paid off well one of the biggest things that i can think of is abigail brand um she was a major player in the larger story that it seemed as though Ewing was telling, and she hasn't really been a factor at all here. Um, so it's it feels to me like you know he he probably did intend to go back to that, but that doesn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is, and of course you know there's still more X Men stories to come, but there is no final moment between Genesis and Apocalypse. We don't really get that. Um, you know they're kept separate throughout this entire conflict you know apocalypse did return to the fray um to help you know fight against genesis but not in a physical sense not in you know not in the sense of like direct directly um and it would have been nice you know to see some kind of resolution to their story uh with each other yeah that's fair especially because the I'm remembering from um, like X of Swords and all that stuff like that that I remember that connection and those two characters interactions being so strong being something that drove I want to say a few a few issues worth of just kind of like drama and storytelling for sure so yeah heard on that uh the the battle between Storm and uh and Genesis is also awesome yeah. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um, you know, Storm has been someone who a lot of us have said was really, like, not that important, not that big of a deal for most of the Krakoan era. And I think, really, it's been X-Men Red that has put Storm in the pole position um, to feel more relevant. And Genesis is a great foil for her because Storm is power tempered by compassion and genesis is absolute power with absolutely no compassion Mm. Mm. and so in a way it's like you know the immovable force versus the unstoppable object or whatever um and you know seeing their their test of will was a lot of fun yeah yeah and uh smart on storms in as well i think she she fought with her her head a lot of it uh the the first interaction where she tries to strike lightning and obviously the mask says miss she had her her target and her intention so that was really clever i thought to uh quickly not de-escalate 
but to immediately show that you know Storm's here to she's here to to play. She's not here to mess around. She's she's trying to to win this. And uh, I thought that was a really cool. Those are really cool interactions. Are really good moments. The encounter that she has with the Annihilation Helm that is literally prose <laughs> was phenomenal too. Like I, okay. I very often don't like stuff like this, but a there was no real other way to convey all this text in the few pages that they had. This is not an oversized issue. This is a standard size issue. Um, there was no way to convey the point otherwise and i think it kind of it kind of works in the sense that it says this is this moment right here is something that we don't even have a way to show you like there is no visual language for this um because it's just the mask speaking inside the mind of storm um yeah and it's trying to it's essentially flirting with her it's, it's telling her hey you know, you're great. You're a better person than Genesis. You are the chosen one. Look at look at you. You have power and you have compassion. You have wisdom. You have everything. We would be such a great pairing together, don't you think? And, you know, Storm's resolve is so great. And probably the, the red diamond training that the mutants have and everything else, she's able mm. to allow the Annihilation Helm to tell its tale, spin its web, and then uses... You know, I don't know, like, you didn't read the last... Did you read the last couple? Um, no. Uh, uh, here and there. Some of them here and there, but not all of it. Okay, yeah. So in the last issue, uh, I think it was the last one, the helmet tells Storm to miss an attack on it. And because it told her to do that, she missed. And so here, the Annihilation Helm said everything else except that, and so Storm was able to blast it and get rid of it. Which I had a little bit of issue with. Um, that felt very convenient. That all of a sudden this you know powerful mask actually is just kind of gold and not really all that magical. And like okay, fine. I thought that was a bit of a maybe convenient contrivance maybe. But I was able to sort of push by that. I'm like okay, fine, fair enough. I, you know you'll you'll resolve the, the story that way. I got thrown off by that prose bit. Um, I didn't see it coming or expect it. And I was like, oh, this is a weird place to put an ad. I was like, oh shit, wait, no, this is this is part of the book. Whoops. And then I had to kind of like sit there and read it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. That split second that she's deciding or you know, trying to coax her um, was neat. Yeah. Um Yeah, the so the, the with the helmet, right? Like it used to be something that Genesis wore on her face. And I think that is where a lot of the the fact that like because I was thinking, well, anyone could have done this. Um, right. But they couldn't have because in order to do that, you would have had to attack Genesis herself. You would have had to beat her. Okay. Um, making it so that the helm was a part of the staff took away some of that safety. And obviously Storm, you know, she's hitting hard. Right, right. Whatever that mask is made out of, it's, it's going to falter to her power. Yeah, 100%. And that was cool that she, in, in, this, in this issue, you kind of get a whole bunch of stuff you get restraint you get strategy you get power like there's, there's a lot involved here in these small moments yeah um yeah i i had a lot of fun with this and not having even not having kept up kind of just makes me like there would have been more to appreciate here had i been more continuous with it well storm in the last issue turned down 
Uranos's involvement. For those of you who don't recall who that is, yeah, that's the uh, grandfather of Thanos or whatever, who was the guy that destroyed uh, Araco in the first place. Um, he was launched there as like a bomb, and for an hour he was able to just do whatever he wanted, and he tore the mutants to shreds. Um, and that's how Magneto ended up dying. So she had the opportunity to unleash Uranus upon Araco, and he promised he would only kill Genesis's soldiers, that everybody would be wiped out. And uh, ultimately, Storm's decision was not to use him because even though it would have won them the war, it would have been blood not on her hands because she didn't, you know, do the killing. Um, but also it would have been indiscriminate annihilation sure. in the sense that no one is safe. You know, there are people on the other side who are under mind control, like Blue, um, the guy with the sword. Yeah, yeah. There are people on the other end who aren't necessarily all the way in control of their actions, and they could be reasoned with. They could be spoken to. They could be, you know, uh, uh, made to see logic. But Uranus doesn't care about that. Neither does Genesis. And so Storm makes the compassionate choice to have to fight this war with her own hands, you know, um, boots to ground. And, you know, they win the day. Um, they win the day. And, and I think the, the action here is really great. Um, I, I like that you said that the, the compassionate route, because that would have definitely been the, the road to cruelty at that point. And that isn't, that, that isn't Storm. That's not who she is. And yeah. I think it, it, it works with her character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the art's great. Um, you know, granted, it's not, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's as good as it was when the series started. To be honest, I can't even remember uh, who we had on this book when it first, first started. Um, but uh, the, the book has seen a couple of different uh, artist shifts. But still, I think it's strong. It gets the point across. Having Federico Blee still here on colors keeps the visual consistency uh, across the rest of the series. And to his credit, Sonara has a lot of work to do in this issue. Um, there are multiple battles. You know, uh, everybody gets a cool moment. Sunspot gets a great moment. Um, and it all looks it all looks awesome. That was cool with the eye yeah. staring into the sun. Yep. Like, Hell yeah, yeah. get him. That was, that was awesome. It was uh, Stefano Caselli previously there you go. Who, who, who launched with it. But yeah, I mean, frankly, uh, I think the, the aesthetic's been here. The tone carries from a color perspective. Um, the two islands <laughs> hugging at the end. Yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah, just kind of a little over the top, a little too goofy for me. But you know what? Fine. Take it. Mm -hmm. um, the only like... This series has been great. This series was awesome. I don't necessarily want to say that I feel like it's ending uh, prematurely, but I don't think that it got to do much with Apocalypse's return. Um, mm. I feel like that could have been more. And um, I don't really have a, a, a gauge of where we go from here. Um, not that that's a criticism of this series. This series did the job it had to do. Um, but, like, we know there's about to be a big reset with the X-Men. Where does Araco fit into that overall picture? Yeah, and the added complication of Genesis on Phobos, one of the moons, and therefore having taken over um, 
the parts of the that 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 Orcus installation. Yeah. Um, and now is part has built her own kind of brotherhood. Uh, so I'm not sure how that's going to play out or continue. Like, if they're separate from the stuff that's going on on Earth, are they going to become a haven for the other mutants wherever they might be? Um, there's a lot of questions up in the air. I think. Yeah, and 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 you know. It ultimately that that what that probably means is the X Men have a new, a new enemy, you know. Like Genesis can be akin to any of the other many many foes of the X Men that they can go back to, um, and I think it's just setting up a new status quo for her and the future conflict that will come from her still being around, you know. Um, several times Storm's leniency is questioned because these mm. people don't play by her rules. Um, but this is what the mutants have to do. This is this is how the X Men have to be. Um, ultimately, fantastic issue. Uh, hats off to Al Ewing and Federico Blee uh, for bringing this to a close from start to finish. Ariana Mayer also done a great job throughout this entire run. Um, I'm not trying to deliberately leave out uh, Yildirim Sinar. It's just that he hasn't been around for the whole time, but. Mm. Um, this has been a great series that I'm sad to see go. And for me, uh, it's on my list of, of, of best X-Books of the Hoxpox era. Coming out of it, compared to everything else we might have read, that's a little more maybe focused on what's going on Earthside. Uh, or like the main X-Men, I guess. Yeah, agreed. But uh, fun nonetheless. And I'm hopefully this means that Al Ewing gets more time to play in this sandbox because i think that that's what i want i want to see more of that if this is the sort of stuff that he's delivering give him some more xbooks you know yeah yeah i don't know what the future holds for you know al as a member of the x-men writing group we don't know yet what that all is going to look like but obviously there's going to be more space stuff to be handled and al has pro- more than proven himself um I wouldn't even mind him being the person to take over X-Men proper. You're not wrong, man. I, I think he has a good handle of these characters. I think he has really good voices for each of them. They feel different and distinct. And I know we'll talk about uh, Thor later, but with big casts, it feels like he handles them so, so well. Yeah. So get, if this is the biggest cast you're probably ever going to have on a, on a Marvel book, you know? Yeah. Uh, Easy pull. Easy pull. Obviously, at this point, you're not pulling the last issue of a series, right? If you haven't been <laughs> reading, but hats off for an amazing job. It's a great issue. Spook bowed out in a really good way. Hopefully, Immortal X Men can do the same, because that's also about to uh, end. Fingers crossed. Yeah, Fingers and then, crossed. And then that's it. Then we're we're into the fall of or the what are those books called? The fall of the House of X. The fall of the House of X. And rise of powers. Yeah. So, uh, not too long to wait for that. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Barnett said I haven't been reading X-Men I read AXE and it sucked Sins of Sinister was great I'm planning on jumping back on after the Krakoa era ends yeah there are a lot of people that feel that way yeah a lot of people that feel that way Um, it hasn't been a wholly successful endeavor but we will definitely be doing a post-mortem after (laughs) everything wraps up I am eagerly anticipating whatever it is that Gillen and Ewing and uh, Duggan have to do in the rise and fall books 
and then of course the resurrection of Magneto book that is uh, impending. So yeah. this this issue is not Al's final bow in the X Men space. There's still one more story to go, and I'm looking forward to it. Yep, agreed. Uh, Tom Account, a channel member of ours, who we appreciate so much, and a patron at that, says uh, pick of the week. No, mm, not, not for yet. Me. Nope, not for me. We read a lot of books this week. You'll hear about it. Oh, yeah. We have a lot more show to do. Uh, speaking of which, we are going to move into our next section of books. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys that if you want to support our show, the best way to do so is by heading on over to patreon.com slash thecomicspals, where we are always giving you bang for your buck. You can subscribe to us at any tier of your choice, and every one of them has things that we are giving to you. Um, so if you... You know, are so inclined. If you are in the season, or if you are in the spirit of giving, now's a great time. Thank you so much to all who choose to do that. Channel members as well, y'all are great. You get uh, snazzy uh, emojis that you can use. You know, um, a green name in the chat that signifies you're a channel member. Early access to our evergreen videos that we've been dropping all over YouTube uh, that you guys seem to enjoy, and we would love more feedback on that. Uh, so thank you to all of our channel members. This Saturday, we will have this a special Saturday. start time on the show of 12 p.m. Eastern because we will be joined by none other than Ghost Machine's Jeff Johns. Bah, 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 bah. Yes, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, we may even have a special guest that you'll have to tune in to find out. Um, but if you have questions for Jeff, you can submit them to us on the Discord server in YouTube comments section, you know, email us at the co contact at the comics pals. Any way you get us is fine. And uh, we will be answering or asking him your questions live on the show. Priority does go to patrons and channel members. Thank you for understanding. Um, we can't wait. I'm really excited. Likewise, dude. It's always a good chat with him. Yeah. Only two pals tonight. Yeah. What's it look like? The faves, boy. The what are, what are we? We're, we're some kind of duo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Today's not the day, KO. It's really not. Um, Tyler isn't here, so I feel un unrepresented. Well, you know what? Tyler's here in spirit, and so right. in that way, you are represented. And quite frankly, you are in the chat, so you are representing yourself by being here. And I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody that is here hanging out with us live. Uh, let's jump into the next book. We're going to talk about it's a double dose of Al Ewing this week because we're talking about the immortal Thor number five. This is by Al Ewing, as I said, um, with art by Martin Cocolo, who is really just <laughs> just doing rushing all the insane work. work, like arguably, arguably more of a draw than. Than what Ewing is doing. Um, Matthew Wilson on colors, Joe Sabino on the letters. This is, it feels like this is the wrap up to the first arc of the, of the series, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. Um, it, it does. A, this issue does a lot of things. Uh, it, it shows us what we expected, which was the Thor corpse core, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Jesus against Toranos, the Utgard Thor, 
and who is one of my favorite new villains. Like he's just so big and imposing and just very, very cool to look at. Um, we get we get a little bit more of his origin and, and the origin of the Utgard characters and, you know, these primordial beings who created the earth and shaped it and have been at war for all this time. We find out that there's like you know, wheels within wheels of games between them and things like that. And that really Thor is just caught in that. He's just caught in that wheel. But he decides to take take the power into his own hands uh, and puts together this Thor core to go against Tornos and comes up with a plan that is slick, even though I had some trouble accepting that it would work. Hmm... It wasn't until it started to happen that I was like, well, first of all, I guess like Loki throws a hammer, right? I'm like, oh, they fucked up. Cool. This is going to continue. And then he, and then all Thor has to do is grant him that, yeah, this guy's cool. Like, it's fine, actually. He's sure he's evil and, you know, trying to kill us. But you know what? Really just let it happen. I thought that was a little weird because one would suppose inherently the hammer would decide it is said choice of Mjolnir not Thor to just grant the power of Thor right and so I agree with you I thought that was a little hard to swallow um but once it played out I didn't like that he just saw that he had to be good and couldn't deal with that I I would much rather him have been like the good power having overwhelmed him or something like him having that conflict well, what it was was he was he was overburdened by having to live with his transgressions. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 like, fine. I got. I don't have a an inherent problem with that. My problem is that he's clearly just not worthy. If he has that many transgressions to have to live with, then he wouldn't be able to wield the power of Thor. If anyone can wield the power of Thor, then what is the point of worthiness? Right. Yes. Exactly. Uh, it's, uh, it's really, it's really, it's really silly. Um, and so I was a little bit, I was a little bit frustrated by that, but everything else here I thought was really great. Um, you know, I like to take you out of the book. Sorry. Did it take you out of the book that moment? Oh yeah. Oh, did it? Oh yeah, definitely. This, I was all in on this until I saw that. And then I was kind of like, ah, really, man. I, I, I kind of just like accepted it and trugged along, but it did give me pause because I had to sit there and kind of just <laughs> rationalize, you know, as much as, you know, you're, you're seeing the God of Thunder throw a hammer at a bigger God of Thunder, yeah. but Ooh. you know, you, it, yeah. Um, but overall, I think the, the story works. The introduction, I at first thought, do we really need to learn Theranos' background and some of these other players but if the end goal is to maybe fight Gaia at some point because she's sort of been teased out at the beginning the first two issues um then cool and I think that makes sense if not you could have saved maybe a page or two yeah I didn't mind I didn't mind that you know we do need to know what the heck is going on with with all these uh these old gods um it's just I, I don't know like this issue's strong. I think all the issues have been strong. I'm not necessarily feeling like the oh my god, this is a Mortal Hulk levels uh, right now. 
Sure. And it, and it's unfortunate, right? Because we're five issues deep versus a series that went 50 issues and completed. So clearly you, they're not like, you know, until this series gets to that point or gets to a place, you know, maybe a dozen or, or a couple dozen issues from now where we can really say um, definitively the quality level. It's not fair mm-hmm. to judge relative to, or re, uh, judging against Immortal Hulk. But that being said, I'm not sure at this particular moment that I feel like this is the big like evaluation of Thor that I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. But there's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of time. We we still have um, the the next set of kind of villains coming coming to the to the gate um, with Minotaur. So I think that's gonna be cool. I think that's gonna play out really really well. I feel like. This has been kind of the initial playground for Ewing to just get acclimated, get us acclimated to what he's doing on the char- uh, with the character, and then he's going to really kind of like swerve us and try to do something. So I'm I'm hopeful for the future. Uh, I agree. This isn't maybe this isn't like it's not knocking my socks off, but I'm I'm still enjoying it. I'm having a good time. Uh, the comic isn't perfect, but it doesn't have to be. It's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Amin Perez says, I think Ewing is cooking a cool mythology, New Gods level stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I'm I'm not even close to being out on this book. The only time throughout this entire run so far where I've been like, yeah, I don't know about that, is this issue with what happens with Torgos. Sure. Other than that, it's really all been good stuff. I even like the, the 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 tease at the end and the furthering of what's going on with Minotaur and now, you know, of course, um, of course, executioners involved and anytime you see executioner, you know, you're about to see the enchantress. They go hand in hand, so of course she makes an appearance. I love the enchantress. I think most Thor readers do. Um, the role that she plays is similar to like a. Like, I mean, like a more villainous version of like a Catwoman or a Black Cat. She's definitely okay. Someone who, you know, has like a, a desire to like control Thor through sexuality. Mm, okay. Gotcha. Um, great character. I mean, frankly, uh, this is going to be my first interaction with these two characters, uh, and I like the the setup being associated with Minotaur. So for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to effectively for me meeting them, you know? Yeah. I also like the idea that Minotaur owns the rights to the IP of Thor in this world. <laughs> it's so good. That's hilarious. He's just going to like make movies, make, make whatever he wants with it. I thought that was really good. But, but I feel like that somehow, and I don't know, but I feel like that somehow it's going to play into like a power set or something. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yes, Brandon, like Italia al Ghul. Absolutely. That is, ah, that's really good. That is a much better uh, comparison. The art is stellar. Uh, it, it remains incredible. I love Cocolo's uh, ability to go between the more like sort of uh, fun, you know, um, Russell Dodderman-esque Thor stuff, the more, the more like, I guess, grounded, for lack of a better word, stuff. To the, you know, almost like Cthulhu-esque, you know, abstract sort of horror 
larger-than-life creepiness of Tornos and the other Utgard gods, um, the old gods. I, I just love the diversity that he's able to bring to the table. And then the coloring and all the sequences is amazing, too. Got to be one of the best art teams in comics right now, I would say. 100%. Man, that that moment where he gets the the hammer, and so it was. You get that big-ass panel. And then he's just hovering over. Yeah. And I particular note to the double A in Kakakum, because uh, I thought that added a good, very subtle effect. Um, especially where the two A's are doubled. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to read it as crack, ah, ah. Like, there was something there that I thought was just uh, very subtle, very well done. This is off topic, but whatever. Speaking of A's, when you read Apocalypse's name, what do you, what happens in your mind? I just say A. I can't, I can't <laughs> fathom it. it. It just, it literally, it's just a dude going A. Oh, man. Yeah. Would, I, would you I, hear something? I, I read A. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just uh, this. I was reading the book today, and I read that, and I'm like, "That's so stupid." Yeah, yeah. Every time, and I, and I want it to be, but I hear it as like I hear it as me a right. But I imagine what they're saying is something wild, and so they have to contort their mouth or some shit. Like I imagine there's something. There's so much more there that you just can't hear it. I like I hear like a like a distorted a. You okay. Know, like that. I, I want and I want to hear that. Like I want to hear that sound. Yeah, I want someone to create the sound that is associated with the name of Apocalypse. Remember when they were doing the uh, the X Men team votes and everybody was kind of like pitching their their story to get the vote in? Yeah, they need to do that. Just pronouncing the A, like here's how to pronounce. Oh man, you know he's about to be Apocalypse again. Like where he is, so, 100%. like that that A shit is done. Um, easy pull. Yeah, this is real good. Yes, absolutely. Loving this book. Almost pick of the week. Oh, yeah? Almost. Huh. Well, I guess we are talking about two other books, or one other book, at least from on my end. Uh, can I Do I count that? Because if not, then I'm going to give it to this. Yeah, you count that. Okay, okay. So then I'm going to save it. All right. Um. Well, you know, maybe you're talking about Luke Cage Gang War. Ha. No? Oh. <laughs> no, sir. Well... Uh, this is a bit of redemption because the first issue of Luke Cage Gang War was up on the poll, which, by the way, I should say, surprise, the poll is up right now. Oh, go get the it. The poll is up right now. If you're watching us live, don't leave us. Just open another tab. Go vote. I'll check the poll at the end, and we'll discuss where we're at. Um, but Luke Cage, that. Luke Cage Gang War number one was on the poll when it released, and it lost to Flash number three, which was probably the biggest travesty in the poll of the year. And so we had to redeem that by just putting Luke Cage Gang War number two in the episode. I'm glad I did, because this issue is actually way better than the first one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's Rodney Barnes on the words, Ramon Box on the art, Andrew Dollhouse on the colors, Travis Lanham on the letters. And so, you know, this series is essentially, hey, New York City is going to shit, which is apropos for the times that we are in. <laughs> uh, gang activity is all over the map now. And there is this pesky anti-superhero law, anti-vigilante law 
that prevents street level heroes primarily from doing their thing, right? Like no one's no one can stop Iron Man. You cannot okay. tell Iron Man not to fight crime. But, you know, you can say that to like you know, Danny Rand or sure. whatever. And especially Luke Cage, who who happens to be the mayor of New York. And so uh, in the first issue, there's a moment where I think it's in the first issue where, yeah, yeah, he tries to fight crime. Luke does. And he's stopped by a cop who tells him, you know, if you do what you were about to do, I would have to arrest you. And so that's why he gets this, this costume. Uh, and, and I actually think the costume looks kind of bad, to be honest. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it's a little simple. There's not, there's like no signifier. Like th- this isn't, this isn't scream. Oh my god, iconic, and this is going to be something. There's also absolutely no way in hell that you wouldn't know that that was Luke Cage. Oh, what? It's just there's no other bald black man walking around. Yeah, like he's a bald black dude with the exact same <laughs> facial hair as the mayor. <laughs> Who has the same exact body as the mayor, who, if you shoot, will not take damage just like the mayor. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Who could it be? Also, who's running around, by the way, with a team that consists of his wife, (laughs) Jessica Jones, who is not wearing a mask, and Danny Rand, who is his best friend, who is also not wearing a mask. Who could it be? (laughs) Right. That being said, though, I actually had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I was a little down on it. Um, this was very. Th- this felt to me very much like uh, just just fighting, you know, just kind of empty toy slamming to each other in moments. Um, I'm, I'm not always a fan of of those things, and the art. I, I have comments on the art. Yeah. Um, uh, the form, the the lines, I think, can get a little messed up here and there. Um, uh, some of the perspectives as well. Uh, there's a moment where the cops, you know, yelling, "You're under arrest!" And but I, but Captain, they just saved our asses, right? Like, fine, whatever. Uh, but the panel itself, there's a weird perspective or point of perspective, and I don't know where it's looking. I don't know how it's focusing. Um, so that that threw me off quite a bit. Uh, there was just visually, I wasn't keeping up on it, and then the the story didn't really grab me. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, look, it's worth, it's worth saying, right? I have a, I have a bias because these characters are characters who I have, I have loved for a long time, right? Like Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Danny Rand, you know, they were three of the biggest characters that Marvel had as it relates to, you know, their, their status on the new Avengers, uh, you know, Bendis's new Avengers. And so for me, I didn't really know an Avengers prior to them. So these are characters that I've always cared about uh, since I started reading comics. I always love to see them together. So I got a kick out of seeing their relationship, you know, how it's evolved and changed. I like Barnes uh, putting a bit of a, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say spin on Jessica Jones, but like the idea that she's kind of like, she kind of antagonizes Luke for fun. That was really good. Yeah. The emotional affair bit. Yeah. That yep. was funny. And, and and saying that Danny uh, and Luke are having an emotional affair. You <laughs> so know, I, I, no, I hope no one overreads it. It's just a fun joke. You know, like yeah. it's just it's just a fun joke. Um, yeah, but, it's playful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I like I like the fact that you know we're seeing Danny post the powerment. Like he doesn't have his powers anymore. He's not the Iron Fist, but he's still capable. You know, he's not a loser. He's still a great martial artist. But that's all he is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's all he is. Um, <laughs> Cloak and Dagger are here too. Another pairing that I love. Um, so it's a lot of characters that are for me. And I'm sure Tyler would probably feel the same way and that these are from we're both of that same era. The character that surprised me, I'm not sure that, th- that he makes any sense being here. I guess there's a way you could flip it to where he does, but like Alistair Smythe is the villain of this of this piece. In all my years of living, all my years of reading comics, I have never seen Alistair Smythe in the books. I've only ever seen him in the Spider-Man animated series. To the point where I thought he was actually only in that show. Really? I thought that for a long time. So uh, it was cool to see him here. I enjoyed that aspect, even though it's a weird villain choice for this grouping of characters. Sure. Um, I don't have connection, uh, so I just kind of took it. I thought his design was a little, I don't know. The, the design work here wasn't wasn't compelling to me, and so I didn't care necessarily for him. It's yeah. like, oh, my God, the villain. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, Dan Trudeau, another one of our double dippers, a channel member and a patron, says, I really wanted a high-level politics meet superheroes Luke Cage book, and I don't think this is it. It's definitely not. What? What do you mean? There's that scene where, uh, sorry, not Luke, uh, jumps into the fray and says, can a politician do this? Yeah. Uh, it's not what we wanted. We wanted City on Fire. We didn't get that. Um, it is what it is. You know, Rodney Barnes is, I, I think he's talented. Um, I like his stuff. And I'm having fun with this. Is this a book that I'm like, I gotta see how it resolves. I gotta follow every issue. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know there's an issue three. Um, it'll be a it'll be a decision that I have to make in that moment because the 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 final page of the issue where it's just these giant robots threatening to blow up city city hall uh, that didn't compel me. And I don't really just, care for that. Yeah, it's just kind of like, all right, like you're gonna. It's a weird way to undo the good that a hero's doing, because uh, it's so it's just so blatantly destructive. Right. That's a crazy yeah. thing to do. <laughs> In the middle of New York, just blow yeah. that shit up. Okay. That is absolutely ridiculous. There's at least four issues of this series. I'm just about to confirm. Sweet yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be on the hook for all of them, but I really, really had fun with this one. So I would say pull. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I frankly wasn't enamored. That's not good. That's a that's a me issue. Um, so I'm going to say pass on it. But if you're a fan and if something here appeals to you, then yeah, go for it. Uh, Culumbo says, at least Luke has a costume, you know. Danny's out here rocking the dusty Nikes and the, the tie-dye <laughs> shirt while Jess is still glued to the same damn leather jacket she's had since 2001. You're absolutely right. 
You're absolutely right. But you know what's sad about that, Kilumbo? Is that both of them look better than Luke in the series. Word in the, in the fucking gray whatever. Uh, I, warrior. I'd rather risk my life being a vigilante, fighting crime in these streets in my clothes than dress like Luke Cage and look like that. Because that is really just a shitty costume. Oh, you know what he looks like? You know in the live-action Mortal Kombat movie? <laughs> Which this one? Is, the first one? The first one. What's the guy's name? The half-robot dude? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, 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 Kano. Yes, yes. Or, or you're talking about Jax. Jax, Jax, Jax yes. Okay. That's what he looks like. Cheesy. It's sad because there's always going to be that comparison because they're two bald black guys. <laughs> like, it just is what it is. But, yeah. But Very it's, it's the like like the it's just the gray the gray aesthetic and nothing else you know yeah definitely um <laughs> oh yeah so <laughs> come on Dan I I could I could do pretty good sweet Christmas no that was I, 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 really I bad it. yeah no, I heard it I would go for it but I'm I've as you guys can probably tell I'm sick right now so I don't want to overly straighten myself but i would i would love to go for it maybe that's maybe we have to read the third issue just so that i can do that <laughs> just so we can yell it yeah 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 uh all right let's keep things rolling let's move on to masterpiece number one this is by brian michael bendis with alex Maleev. this is a classic you know many would say all-time great creative team um They've done a lot of great stuff together. Obviously, the the uh, Daredevil series that is, mm-hmm. you know, much loved. Uh, they did uh, Scarlet together, which I loved. I never hear anybody talking about that book, but that was one of the uh, the Icon series books that Bendis did. It was oh. a creator owned imprint in Marvel to keep them happy, and uh, I really loved that series. Uh, alongside like Jinx and Powers, right? Uh yeah, but I I don't think I'm not sure that though I'm not sure that I don't think Jinx started there. I think he moved. Bendis has been moving his stuff around. Yeah. So like whatever creator owned stuff he had done before, uh, the icons imprint, he just moved over there. And then when right. he left Marvel, he moved it over to wherever it went, and so on and so forth. Gotcha. Um, okay. This is the this is their latest outing as a team, and um, I. I I gotta, I gotta say, as much as I love these two, and I really, really do, I, I don't, I, man, I hate it because I love Bendis so much. It's hard to overstate how important Bendis is to me being a fan of comics, and I don't mm. know if this is how like other people have felt over the years when their favorite creators have just kind of been like over the hump, um, but it's getting to where. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I'll be honest, man. What the fuck was this book? Uh, a lot. from Alex Maleev, I was like, cool. I know Brian Michael Bendis, you know, you guys are fans, but he hasn't been living up to expectation. I'm a fan through something else, like through the power stuff. So there's a little bit of daylight there for me. But I was excited. I'm like, okay, cool. You know what? It's a good team. But man, from off rip. I was just taken through it felt like I was taken through a whirlwind and I didn't know what the next move was going to be and not in a good way you know in, in a way that felt very I think 
confusing or uh, there, there wasn't a focus. It was unfocused. And I think that was the biggest part that hurt this book for me was so much was happening. We were being fed so much information, stuff that didn't feel relevant mm. was brought to the forefront. The, the webcomic piece, for some reason, plays a part into this. Whoever, this person's parents, this this weird revenge story that is being teased out. So much is there in one issue, and I don't know what to focus on. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and we should say, like, this issue is all set up. It's all set up. It's all explanation. Um, you know, this character, Masterpiece, has lived her whole life not knowing who she really was or the true story of her parents and anything like that. And then here comes this, you know, new player in her life that she doesn't know who has her taken out of school by some fake FBI agents, or maybe they were real, who knows, um, and explains to her that her parents were the greatest criminals of all time and they robbed him as their last big job. And they're dead now, but he's still mad. And because of that, he wants Masterpiece to go and rob someone who wronged this guy. Another person who wronged him, you know, years ago. The problem is, A, why the fuck would you conscript a child to go and rob for you? You don't, yep. like, how do you know that she can get the job done? Like, how does you know she knows the first thing? Just because just because her parents were thieves doesn't automatically mean her her, her the, their thievery skills passed down to her. You know, it's not genetic to be a thief. <laughs> uh, it's not a skill set you just inherit, right? Uh, but then the other issue is that everything I just explained to you could theoretically be explained in about five pages. But this is a Brian Michael Bendis comic. So everything takes so long to get to because everybody in the book has to do Bendis speak. You know, I'm going to pull. Look, okay, this is a, this is just a random page. page I just opened three, the book. Probably. I mean, it's page three. I, I just yep. opened the book. Yeah. Uh, so so Masterpiece is being arrested. So it's, so it's Masterpiece Lawford, FBI. FBI of what? Oh, my. What did she do? Whoa, who are they? Who is she? I'm scared. What are they doing? Don't resist. Holy gasp. Oh, my God. Against the wall. Thank you. Hey, if you film me, I'll confiscate your phone. That's the law. Agent, please. This is a, a young girl. These are children. I could go on. That was three panels. That was one, two. Th yeah, that was three panels. Yeah. Insane. I, I, I saw that immediately. I'm like, holy shit. This is going to be uh, a chore. And it's like... It's not the, like, ridiculously overly wordy stuff that Cy Spurrier will do. It's this, like, nonsense bubble, bubble, bubble of nonsense. Of other people's reactions who aren't relevant. Of characters saying dialogue that we just simply do not need to read. You know, if you skip this comic book, but you go off what I told you happens, you know exactly what the book is about. And so much space is utilized to do things that aren't really necessary. Uh, I mean, there was so much setup here that wasn't even necessary that I thought, um, to your earlier point, a lot of this could have been explained in a much quicker in a much quicker way. And he meandered, and it felt like he meandered on purpose because he had to get uh, he had to get 
to the reveal of who this person was, why, uh, again, why this random comic makes sense to some degree, who this other person in Emma or Masterpiece's life is, then her friends. Um, it, it just takes this really roundabout way to give me maybe five pieces of information. This girl is not who she is, who she says she or thinks who she is. Uh, somebody's after her. It's a revenge story. Her parents are maybe dead, and they're the greatest thieves. That's all I really need to know. Why is this almost 30 pages? Then there's this whole, like, angle of, you know, Masterpiece being a, a web tour or a web uh, webcomic creator and an app developer. And somehow, this dude who doesn't didn't even know she existed, right? Didn't even know that there was revenge to get against her parents finds her from her webcomic yep did did the app feel antiquated to you like people don't people don't make money off apps no more man that was early 2000 shit people what people what, what do you mean people don't make money off apps what well, i feel like the the big tech app boom was like past like now you can maybe it's games but that's about it uh, well, e- either way, I still agree that it feels weird and, and antiquated because, again, it's 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 like, w- in what world would you discover the identity of your your greatest nemesis's child, hmm? nemesis, whatever it is, through her webcomic? It's just it's just so. I don't know. I I really, really, really did not want to come on here and feel badly about this book because I adore Bendis so, so much. I really do. And and I should say, I didn't hate this. There are things that I like. I actually get into Bendis speak every now and then because I'm so used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there were certain lines of dialogue that I kind of dug. And, you know, I, I could see myself enjoying the masterpiece character. Uh, if I were to continue reading this, but I just don't think I will. It's it really hurts me to say that. Like, there there are only there's there are only so many creators that I'd rather sit here on our show and discuss comics with than Bendis, mm-hmm. and I would spend all of that time singing his praises. So the fact that I have to come here and say that I didn't like a new number one by him hurts me. But I have to be honest with you guys. I would not recommend this. I wouldn't. Even the Malieve art, it's not what you're used to. Like if you read Scarlet or if you read like any anything Malieve, it's not the same. It's not colored the same. It's just it's just not it's not the same. I, I will I will grant Malieve maybe a bit more grace on this one. I think he still plays into his like sandy textures, some of the I, I think some of the colors work. There's especially that one double page spread that's like all design and um, and reflects back on the parents and like their their spy and thievery. That was cool. Like, like there there are moments of I think of peaking brilliance here and there, but the package itself I don't think is uh, yeah. I, similarly, I wouldn't recommend. Yeah, uh... it's a shame. It's a shame because you're right. They're two really solid special creators. And this isn't their best work. It's not. And it, it like it makes me want to go back and read, you know, the stuff that I like love so much. 
Um, but even like the the ones, I think it was called that Bendis recently launched. It was another one where I was just like, "Oh yeah, I don't, I don't get this. I don't, but I don't get it." The superhero kids, right? They're like they're the chosen ones, right? That, right. Yeah, like that one. Um, okay. Kilumbo said it's funny because when I read this, I was like, "Wow, Bendis is writing much less dialogue than usual," and maybe he is, but it's those trappings that Bendis has that are so over the top at times that it's just, it's like, yo, dude, you don't have to do this. <laughs> you just don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's a pass for me, man. Hard pass. Like to the, to the most devoted Brian Michael Bendis reader, you know, maybe you buy it, like I I I wanted to buy it and review it because I love Bendis. I will always give him a chance. Um, and if you're like me, get it. You know, like give read it yourself. Maybe you maybe you know you are more into the Bendis trappings than I am at this point in my life. Um, but for me, this is just like lower tier uh, Bendis work for me. And I think your point on giving them grace is in my opinion, good. I think regardless of what a creator has done in the past uh, with respect to the quality of their work, I think it's worth coming back to revisit. And because you can find something new, you can, it could just be maybe a character or a certain moment or a certain way of storytelling that didn't connect with you. Um, Kale on, on the show, uh, you know, wasn't big on Tom King. And then he read, I think Rorschach or maybe it was uh, Human Target. Yeah. It's full circle and I think I think the opportunity of the the opportunity of finding and refinding the thing that you love about a, a writer or artist or creator in that uh, for that point is can be magical yeah. um but man this this one wasn't it but that's not to say the next one won't and you kind of hold out for that uh um, yeah go ahead I just wanted to shout out uh, Christian here, another channel member. He, he asked, uh, how long did it take you bets to be into non-Big 2 books? I want to jump in, but I get scared spending five, six bucks on something not connected to anything. Uh, frankly, I think for me, that's always been my little wheelhouse. I've, I've been sort of the opposite indie as opposed to Big 2 books. And uh, for me, the fact that it isn't connected to anything is the alluring part, that it's brand new that you have to kind of be open to the world that will be explored. And I'd argue that if you're willing to do that for a superhero comic or for a big two book, um, that is easily translatable. That experience of being open is easily translatable to an indie, an image, a dark horse, an IDW book, you know, boom. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, it's good comics, not the IPs associated. Uh, it took me, I want to say it took me about two or three years to, to read non-Big 2 stuff. What was the um, first one? I don't know. I remember things like Colder. Probably no one remembers that shit. I don't even remember Ooh. exactly who did that book, but it was a, it was a horror, horror comic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really great art, crazy stuff. Um, that's, that's one of my earliest memories of a non-Big 2 book. But um, it took me a little while. I was intimidated 
in some ways. I didn't know where to start. And once I got familiar with who was like what creators I liked from the big two, um, it got easier to say, oh, okay, well, I really like this Rick Remender guy, for instance. Let me see what else he has done. Um, I really like Bendis. He's launching this book called Scarlet. I'll check it out. You know, uh, things like that. Um, I think jumping into indie can be intimidating. Go with the creators that you like, like Atomic Hound said. Very, very sage advice, as always. Uh, go with the creators that you like. And don't be afraid. Like, you listen to this show. You're a regular. You hear us review these these books every single week. If we're saying that it's good and we're reviewing it positively, I think it's worth taking a chance. Four or five dollars, because most of the time the indie books are like four or five bucks. Um, you know, it's com- t- contemporary pricing with the Marvel and DC books. If we're saying it's good, I think it's I think it's worth uh, giving it a chance. It's worth that dollar. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, look, Roboters owns that book too. Yeah, it's good. It's good shit. Uh, Paul Tobin. I just googled it. Yeah, yeah, Paul Tobin. That's right. Wow, haven't thought about that book in a while. <laughs> That's cool. Let's talk about one of the better books of the year. Beneath the trees where nobody sees. Ooh. I think this book knocked everybody off their socks, or knocked everybody, knocked everybody's socks <laughs> off uh, when it dropped. What last month? The, uh, in October. Yeah, yeah, last month. Yeah. Um, this is by Patrick Horvath and uh, Hassan Osman El Howe. And so it's really just a book that's, uh, I guess it's like Dexter with with animals, um, anthropomorphic animals. Um, there are no human beings. Every every person is an animal. Uh, yeah, exactly. Person with quotation marks. And they're you know the main character is a murderer who is you know a psychopath and has to kill but chooses not to do it in this little quaint community that hasn't had, you know, a murder in 40 years. Uh, She goes outside. She goes to the city to kill. But there's another person that's murdering, and that person doesn't have qualms about killing citizens of this little town. And so, uh, you know, now this person has to figure out, like, okay, if I'm going to keep killing here, then I got to figure out who this other killer is. It, or rather, if I'm going to be able to keep killing, I got to stop this person from killing because otherwise they're going to figure me out. Yeah, and that I think is a great, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun premise. Um, it turns the book immediately into kind of like a detective story. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of like Beastars. Actually, that's a really good comparison. Very much like Beastars. Less so as as of right now with like some of the romance pieces, but I think in terms of the plot and some of the drama associated, very much so. And Brandon, this is this is great, man. The issue number one, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean Christian, you were just saying like you want like a, a good indie book to check out. This is a great one. This uh, I don't know about you, Marco. This is my pick of the week. I assume it's all my pick. Okay. Yes, yeah. yeah. This is a three ninety nine comic from IDW. Yep. You know, you're talking about five six dollars. This goes under that. And it's better than a lot of the other books that are out there right now. Um, the, the, but, like, let me say this. It's Dexter. Okay? Like, oh, it's Dexter. If you have watched it, you know it. This is Dexter. And 
you know, I didn't watch Dexter, so I don't give a shit. Is it derivative? Yes, but everything is, there's nothing new under the sun. And what it really is about is the quality of the work. And the quality here is very high. Yes. This yep. cover that I'm that I'm holding up right now, this is my favorite cover of the year. Oh, it's so good. It depicts uh, a character from the book. What's her name again? Um, uh, ooh, ooh. I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll pull yeah. It. So it, it, it shows her looking in the mirror at the chopping block butchery and she sees she's a pig her character you know she is a she's literally a pig um and she sees in the mirror you know pig head all these different kind of pig parts she is uh cherry gherkins there you go cherry and this cover you know it's like wow okay that's well whatever cover and then you read the issue <laughs> and you see the cover again brilliant stuff so you see the cover there right and then you get to the end of the issue i won't spoil what happens but you see you see the cover again it's the exact same thing but it hits different when you get to that yeah yeah uh, and uh, okay th this issue also gave a little bit more way to this disparity between pet animals and these anthropomorphic animals yeah and that for some reason made the book heavier for me like that much more creepy and and sort of doom impending yeah last last time when we reviewed the first one i said a similar thing that you know um that really that really had an impact on me these animals have animals they have pets yeah. they eat they eat themselves her looking at that image you know like does she eat pig Right, it, right. Like, pig are pi pigs are food, but pigs are also people. That's a very, very mind-fucky thing. Like, human beings are people, but we don't tend to eat each other. We call them cannibals and we shun them, right? Like, we, we put them in jail. Would Sherry be a cannibal, considered a cannibal, if she ate pig? If she went to the chopping block and bought some pig, you know? And, um, and the, the mammal, the or like the, the carnivore uh, moment in the store where it's like things were different like you and ah, man there's just like an undercurrent here that i think adds and elevates the book a little bit because yes it's very much about you know this 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 killer and trying to solve the mystery but then it's also exploring this world and it's asking some kind of it's positing a question that isn't direct yet and yeah. i'm i'm very interested to see how and why the things are the way that they are in this world. And if they don't get answered, frankly, I'm not gonna be mad at that. I think I think it like maybe leaving it a little uh ambiguous just ele again elevates the book. It adds to the mystery. Yeah, definitely. Um which is still ongoing. We don't know anything more really than we knew last issue. Well not I, really. I, I I feel like we do. Do we? Yeah, so the the last sequence, right? The person that is killed, they don't know the killer. And Fair this enough. this person seems to know everybody, but they don't know the killer. So what that tells me is that the killer is either a very obscure member of the community or they're not from here. In fact, what if the killer is doing the exact same yes. thing that Samantha is doing. 
I had the, the same killer thought. doesn't kill in their own hood. They go somewhere else to kill. Nope. Oh, I had the same thought. They're just like switching places now. And I, I wonder if, uh, well, actually, no, they, they, they've switched places. And that's sort of my thought. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, serial killers going up against challenges is nothing new in fiction. Dexter was the last breakout hit that caught traction. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like I said, everything is derivative of something, right? If you look at something long enough or if they wear their inspirations on their sleeve clearly enough, then you just, you know, you just know. But I don't think that that is, for me, that is the furthest thing from an automatic pass. In fact, if something reminds me of something else I've, cons- I've, I've engaged with before, that's actually a positive. Because it, it lets me orient myself around it more easily, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I'm not. That doesn't bother me. Uh, wow, you're selling this great. Thank you. It's a great book. It's yeah. a it's a great book. I think everybody should get it. Um, I had a question. Yeah. The actually not a question. Sorry. Um, there's a page, and this won't spoil anything. But there's a page. Uh, I think the on the on the artistic front. Um, I just had it. Horvath, Patrick Horvath is doing great stuff. Uh, Hell yeah! There's Hell yeah. Can, can you open really quick to the page with um where she first steps and meets the turtle? The, uh, where Samantha does? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where Bertie, she meets Birdie, and there's uh at the bottom, the very la- on that left page. Okay, uh, this? the right page actually. This this panel, there's a panel sequence right here where. The dog barks, arf arf, turns. Or we turn back to a stronger arf arf, and then flips, and she just pops up. I genuinely, uh, that caught me. That small <laughs> sequence where it's just like he turns around, I'm like, oh shit! Like, I, for for a book to make me react that viscerally and that just simply, yeah, uh, it's, it's blowing my mind. Yeah, this is this is just this is the good stuff. It really is. Um... There are other sequences that are really great too, from a visual standpoint. I just really don't want to spoil the end. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just so good. It really is. Like, go buy it. Go buy it. Every every week, I I, I get a little joy if I can get on here and recommend a non big two book for you guys, because uh, you're more inclined to buy the big two stuff. Like, we don't have to hard sell you. You know that you want it or you don't. But these, it does require the hard sell. You don't know Patrick Horvath. This is IDW. It's not even Image. These are the books that need voices uh, to sing their praises. And so I'm saying it with my whole chest. Buy this comic. The tornado is right around the corner. Yeah. This is great. Uh, Let's move on. Let's talk about the listener pick this week. Let's go. By a landslide. No chance in hell. That this wasn't going to win the poll. We're talking Action Comics 1060. This is by, you know, the the, the golden boy right now, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. With art by Eddie Barrows, uh, Fico Osio, and Eber Ferreria. With Joe Prado and Jonas Trinidad. Uh... Colors by Matt Herms and Christopher Sotomayor. Letters by Dave Sharp. Um, lots of lots of people credited there. Jeez. Um, let me ask you a question before we even get into the review. Did you know that this is the last issue 
of Philip Kennedy Johnson's run. I did. Outside of the annual, but yeah. Yeah, I was aware. Uh, I'm glad we read it for that. I, I presume that's why I won the, the poll. Um, but yeah, I was aware. And I'm one, I'm sad that he's not going to be on this book anymore because this was his Superman in particular was one of the few instances that has actually attracted me to the character. I feel like there's a uh, maybe a stigma uh, around getting into Superman or a difficulty and um, more so because it's super heroics for me. But man, there's a there are moments where genuinely he made me tear up and cry. And I don't know that a creator can do that, can just do that, you know, willy nilly. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm very sad to see that he's leaving the book. Um, but he's still staying within the Superman, isn't he? Uh, isn't he playing around with like some other uh, some other family bits? Not that I know of. I don't. I don't know that we really know what his next move is, mm. unless uh, unless again, unless someone knows something I don't. Um, I this was all right. This was this was all right. As a farewell, it was fine. Like it it doesn't it doesn't at all feel like a finale farewell issue. I get the impression that PKJ got bumped off. That's the impression I get. I can see that. Um, maybe the annual is where they're really saving his having the ability to say goodbye. Maybe they're saving it for that. But uh, this just felt like it feels like they're supposed to be a part five. Like it, it just doesn't feel like an ending at all. Yeah. Um, and that's really disappointing because I think for the great work that PKJ did throughout this series, he deserved better than this. Um, you know, deserve the, 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 the time and space to wrap up what he did. I know uh, we talked about Jeremy Adams, like definitely getting bumped uh, for, you know, Spurrier and um, Diodato. This is this has to be another another instance of that. Uh, but taking the issue on its merits, forgetting the the outside stuff of it, uh, you know, one of the War World twins has been kidnapped. Mm. Um, she's been taken, and she's been taken by this multi, I guess, multiversal uh, child of the Al Ghul family, uh, the Al Ghul Wayne family, that is. And she's basically trying to convince, I think her name is Otho or Otho Soul or something like that. Yeah, Otho, and then uh, Sister Shadow is the... The antagonist yeah um she's trying to convince sister shadow's trying to convince otho that you know she belongs a part of this group of multiversal purgers uh and i you know whatever i don't know that was that was kind of a whatever that's kind of a whatever um plot point to me quite frankly um i guess it's supposed to be exploring you know, what is the destiny of these twins? Are they destined to be conquerors like their parentage and heritage would, su would suggest? Or is the influence of Superman on them enough to prevent them from going down that road? I guess that's the overarching question. But the, the framing doesn't appeal to me as much as I would like. Um, this issue also features John Constantine. A little weird. 
which is yeah, which is a little weird. Uh, him being paired up with Superman is sort of funny. Like I I, I enjoyed that. Uh, there's a good line where um, Superman is kind of annoyed that that Constantine is smoking. Superman <laughs> having to light Constantine's cigarette with his eyes was was a cool moment. Um, but Constantine's like, honestly, it's like you're afraid of cancer or something. Yeah, <laughs> so it was so good and. The I, I like that because he was grumpy about it. The panel where he lights it is like a little scary. He's kind of like impending. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, and it's and it, it's it, it feels appropriate for both characters. What felt very inappropriate to me was Superman and how he handles going into this room with all these like relics and artifacts of great power. Um, Constantine explains how magic works. He, which is something that I assume Superman would already know, right? Superman, like, there's this perception that Superman is just dumb as hell, right? Mm-hmm. Or that he's magic dumb, that he doesn't know anything about magic, but he's surrounded by people who use it. Um, and it's his weakness, so you would think he would know everything about it. But he um, he's told, don't touch anything here. Don't believe anything you hear. Don't believe anything you see. Keep your hands to yourself. Those yeah. are the rules. He hears the voice of his, you know, of his adopted daughter, and he goes ape shit, grabs an object, and screws everything up. And that just doesn't ring true to me. I don't believe that Superman would would make that kind of mistake. That was hard for me to accept. I get it. He's a parent. He cares. He's not thinking. But that just doesn't feel like Superman. I agree. I um, I agreed, and I had the same reaction. I'm just like. Uh, this guy was clearly walking into a trap. It was explained by John Constantine, known trickster, to also just be like, "Yo, watch out." Um, I, I took it as because his because Superman is weak to magic, that maybe even his will isn't powerful enough to overcome, and so he's he's just not more naturally able, more naturally succumbs to it. But um, then I also thought about whether or not PKJ was getting bumped. I'm like, oh, maybe this was just an easy way to transition from the PKJ stuff to the new the new things in this new world. Like a clean sort of status quo. Now you're in this world, Switch Rider. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. Um like I was I, I wanted to buy this issue and be like, what a great finale. Like I'm so happy about the way that PKJ's run came to a close, but I just don't have that feeling. I, I just, yeah. I just don't. Um, and when I saw the link, like the the size of the of the book, right? It's like a sort of hefty comic. I was like, okay, cool. They gave him time and space. Nope. Two backups. Two yep. backups. And that I was, that I was mad about. Like, give the guy, give the guy room to tell his story and close out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it that was definitely frustrating. I'm just, I think I'm just like maybe done, honestly. Like, they've got Aaron and Williamson coming on to to team up and and tag. I got no problem with with Williamson, of course. Um, his Superman stuff's been good, but I'm sort of, and I have no problem with Aaron either, by the way. But I'm I'm sort of like turned off by the fact that we're losing this run, which has been so so good. Yep. For something that. You know, maybe it'll be great. Who knows? We don't know. But this is working right now. And Superman hasn't worked in so long. Yes. That it's like, don't you stick with what's working? 
like take advantage of it the like it's a hot book it's a hot creator you're getting praise for it you're doing different things with it you're advancing his story you're building his character pool you're you're doing so much here and for the sake of maybe editorial you're switching things up yeah it's a shame yeah it's very uh, and and uh i <laughs> to address the chat I, I i'm also salty about this i was being a little pedantic yeah it's hard not to be salty about it it really is uh christian says i really want the return of justice league and i literally got into this world through titans i can't say i know it should be any particular writer but y'all think this is the guy i do i think pkj is the guy for justice league he's not the only viable option but he's at the top of my list he has effectively handled a uh, an ensemble here in action comics and it's not an ensemble that i think makes a lot of sense what do i mean by that there's no reason why you need all these super people in one book it's been my biggest gripe with the series the entire time that being said i wouldn't say that pkj has handled it poorly he's handled it great if he had a team that he could select right that isn't just a that isn't a family or whatever it's a group that he picks and puts together and has the ability to tell the biggest stories in the dc universe i think that could be truly special nothing that pkj has done that i have read has been anything less than great i'm not talking about individual issues but like bigger picture like overall run yeah uh i mean did you read the last god i started it and i really liked it but i didn't finish it okay same i'm the same boat that's that's one of the few books i haven't read but like the stuff that i picked up uh of him warworld stuff like legit this guy got me into superman and now he's leaving the book and i'm not interested as much right exactly uh constantly changing creative teams and relaunches the slow death of these titles, diminishing returns every single time. When are we going to start letting people cook? You know, I mean, not to be fair, PKJ has been doing, he's been working on this book for a while. It's not that they didn't let him cook. I don't want to, I don't want to say that, but this doesn't feel like the natural closing point. It just doesn't. What did he get to wrap up? (laughs) Nothing. His his threads are still there, man. (laughs) Like we didn't get resolution. Yeah, it's uh, and and I think that they uh, they need to have a bit more faith in the creators to finish off those stories because very much so like the manga model, and I'm I'm making this comparison is you you have a creator and he just tells a continual sequential story over the course of man five plus years ten plus years and we used to have that with with uh with writers claremont's the the first thing that pops into my head with the x-men like you allow these creators to build their universe um but that's what that's what pkj was doing here he's been doing that for the past two years almost now and now we're just ripping them away threads get picked up by other writers it's not unheard of as well of course it's not unheard of but that's not what we're talking about normally when a writer leaves a book they get to they resolve some stuff, you know, tie up some loose ends, and then let other people deal with other things. Resolving loose ends is just as much about the themes and emotions of the book as it is the actual events in the book. Because the themes and emotions that, that he's been dealing with may not be interesting to another writer. So that this is the time now 
for him to close the loop on those things. Because the next creative team, they want to tell a story about the new uh, Brainiac lady. So how does that does that include what PKJ was talking about? We don't know. Sure. Um, I, I do want to just comment on the art really quick. Yeah. Because Eddie Barrows, I think, does interesting work. And I feel like I've uh, more recently I've been on the side of this feels tonally different for a Superman book. It's It's heavy shadows. The inclusion of Constantine here brings in an element of horror, which I think it's an interesting aesthetic for Superman. Maybe not one that I inherently agree with, um, but but he does good work, and I, that I can't deny. Regardless of whether or not the it, it jives with me, I think he's doing really good work here. His forms are great. The drama that he adds with the shadows, I think, are doing really good. The line work is there. So, uh, just hats off to Eddie Barrows. Yeah, for sure. Eddie Barrows is, is did great work here overall. Um, I'm 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 sad to see this creative team go. I really am. Yeah. Uh, there was a great moment actually before we close. There was a great moment between uh, Supergirl and uh, Asul Ra. I guess that's his name. I keep I keep confusing them. But um, the the young the War World twin boy. Right. Right. Um. Otho Otho Soul whatever. He's yeah, I think he's a soul. I, I'm not sure, but um, he's he's raging. He wants to go tear shit up. You know, he wants to go get his get his sister. And Supergirl has to explain to him, you know, you can't just go do that. Your power is big, but you know, your restraint is what's mm. necessary. You know, mm. um, she's trying to teach him another path, and. It resonated with me a lot because, of course, we know that Superman and Supergirl both come from a place that no longer exists outside of a bottle or whatever. You know, um, it's gone. Their home world is also gone. They're refugees on Earth as well. And they have the ability to save these kids from having to go through some, not all, but some of the emotional turmoil that they would have endured being on this foreign planet, you know, with very little understanding of how to be. So I appreciated that. And I think that's something that PKJ does really well is he, he brings this level of emotional complexity to the books and that makes these characters that much more compelling. And they, they feel realer because more real. They feel more real because they they have these conflicting emotions. They they're struggling to contain themselves and um, yeah, I think that that fits in right in with that that same page. I know we, we bring it up all the time, but where if Superman saves the little kid in the car, he's like, "No, dude, you're my hero." Oh, right. I still feel it, man. Right. Um. Uh, do we know when the dawn of DC brand will end? No, we don't. No, not yet. It doesn't feel like we're close to it. Uh. Still if, a few events coming up. Yeah, if Dawn of DC is the Amanda Waller of it all and everything else, doesn't feel like a ton of progress has been made, but I think maybe we'll know more when Beast World comes to a close. Oh, speaking of uh, of Amanda Waller, did you read the backup? Hell no. <laughs> there's a there's a random ass moment with this character called Dreamer who is a precog and Amanda Waller comes in. It's an interesting twist, um but Man, I'm tired of seeing Amanda Waller and not do a thing. 
she tries to fight this person and then it's like i need you to beat another precog but actually the twist is i was trying to kill you all along what, what are we doing i'm really like struggling to care about <laughs> all of that and we're gonna we're gonna uh uh oh uh Ooh, I, mm, pull, yeah, right. pull, pull for the end, pull for the end. Um, it's it, PKJ's last hurrah. Like we, we want to, I want to leave this book on a high note, regardless of whether or not he's coming off the book. Like, let them know that what he was doing was good. Uh, go pick this up. Yeah, I, I agree with the, with your sentiment. I'll leave it at that. You brought up Amanda Waller, who is in <laughs> the next book we're going to talk about, which is Beast World number two. Uh, this was actually like not even on my radar, quite frankly, it wasn't on the poll. It wasn't, you know, on the slate of books for the week. Um, but whatever, might as well talk about it. Uh, Tom Taylor, Ivan Reese, Danny, Ivan Reese, by the way, who is now ghost machine exclusive. I think it's pretty funny. Right. They put that announcement out while he's working on the, the big, you know, the big event right now. Let him know. Yep. Let him know he's not sticking around. Yep. Very smart. Uh, Danny Mickey on inks. Brad Anderson on colors. Brad Anderson, another person who, you know, is wrapping up. This is probably his last non-Ghost Machine work, at least for a while. Wes Abbott on the letters. Um, so everybody's turning into some kind of a beast. That's the that's the gimmick here. You know, DC's big on gimmick events. Hey, everybody in DC is sleeping. Hey, everybody in DC has powers out of nowhere. Hey, everybody in DC is an animal. Can every can it, can can we just like get away from that? Can everybody in DC just do like cool shit? Can we tell stories based on like story, not just plot, based on character work? You know, uh, be that as it may, the the concept is a little bit like lame to me. But the actual work in this issue, I thought, was real good. Uh, were you on the episode where we reviewed the first issue? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I I didn't fully read it before this, so um, but I did get a chance to read some of the pages, um, and similar to the first issue, I thought solid work. Yeah. Um, I wasn't actually as high on the first one, and I think the the concept really was 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 annoying me especially. Um, this this issue doesn't really progress things forward much, um, but it does have some cool shit happen. So, you know, Nightwing and the other Titans and, and, and the various heroes, but the Titans are the focus. You know, they, they take to the streets and they're trying to save everybody that they can save. Um, you know, Batman is out there in force. And there's this great sequence where he saves uh, a young kid and he does it even while he's being ripped and torn and bitten to shreds by average citizens who are now these these, you know, um, these uh, these monstrous beasts. And, you know, he 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 sends this kid, he gives him a, a grappling hook and he sends him to Nightwing and Nightwing catches him and. Um, there's a moment where that child in the midst of all this crazy stuff that's going on, uh, which doesn't make any sense, but it's what happens. He says, uh, Batman says, you don't have to be afraid. Your dad sent me and Nightwing is up there. And then the child says, are you his dad? And Batman said, I am. And he'll catch you. Damn. 
And that's one of those moments that, you know, I really, really appreciate because Batman and Nightwing have such a special, complicated relationship where I truly believe that Batman means it when he says that Nightwing is his son and sees him as such. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Dick sees Bruce as his father as well. But they, their relationship doesn't reflect that. Um, and it can be so hard for men to really have those bonds with each other. But I like the fact that when the chips are down, that's how they that's how they talk about each other as father and son. And that yeah. makes it all the more sad when we see Batman transform. Mm. I was going to ask, what, uh, what animal would you transform into? Me, bro? Uh, I want to be an owl. Owls are my favorite. That's my favorite animal. I don't want to really? be in this fight. I don't want to deal with all that shit. <laughs> I want to be an owl, go somewhere, sit on a, a tree perch, and think and watch. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Have 360 scope. Just make sure you know you're good. Okay. What about you? Yo, Velociraptor, dude. I'm going to be in the fray, bro. That's an animal. Are those fuckers on Earth? They were. When? What do you mean when? Like a few, a couple hundred million years ago. Okay, there you go. Can you pick a contemporary creature, please? Oh, guess I'd be... Guess it'd be an alligator. Lame. <laughs> Why do you say you're an owl? You're never gonna be fighting, dude. You didn't even give a reason. At least I had a reason. Well, he's almost like an he's almost like a velociraptor. Wow. Uh, <laughs> a Sean of owls. Okay. <laughs> dude, I love him. Uh, so I mean, Perez says I got that dog in me. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Um. Yeah, I mean, again, like, nothing really happens. We just see that this is not going to, like, this is going to continue to get worse and worse. And it's sort of funny because you see, like, Superman's in this comic book. Obviously, Batman transforms. Black Adam is yeah. is, is turned, and that was sick as hell. Um, but <laughs> Donna Troy and Starfire... Are the two that cannot be turned into beasts, or all is lost. That's what Nightwing said. Is it really? I I think it was was it not Nightwing? Oracle Batman's been taken. Or or who was that? Was that Oracle? That yeah, it was probably Oracle. Says, uh, um, whatever you do, don't get infected, or you and Starfire could become the biggest problems we have. No, sorry. What was that about? Sorry, no, no. Tom Taylor. I know you're writing Titans. I know it's a Titans event. I see Superman in the first in one of the early panels. <laughs> I see Wonder Woman. I see Green Lantern. That would be Bat- worse. Batman? Yeah. Werewolf Batman, dude? That's rough. That's rough. Um I think uh, I think the transformations cuz I, I was really high on the first one. I thought the, the the concept there was cool. I thought it was an interesting idea. Um, this transformation piece, I think, it the, it works with the story, and I'm I'm following along. I'm not necessarily as high on the fir- on the second issue as I am on the first issue, um, and then less so because of the Waller stuff. I'm not as invested anymore. I don't care. Like, why isn't why aren't they getting transformed? Like, what's up? I don't know. 
right what are the rules of this like who right. why like why is everybody not transformed like it, it batman got turned because one of the animals like breathed into his mouth breathed this toxin Spore. into his mouth yeah but uh how, like are they just not choosing to do that to whoever they can like well, i guess not strong enough right maybe that's why nightwing wasn't chosen yeah uh, <laughs> i had to i had to i had to stretch for that yeah like in my mind when batman was getting sliced and cut up while he was protecting that kid i yeah. thought oh shit he's getting cut up that's going to infect him and lead to him being turned the fact that he had to specifically get breathed into and not any breath right all the breathing that all those animals were doing on him that didn't do shit Specifically, right. getting breathed on by this uh, this viper—that's what did it. Green breath. Green breath. And it had to go specifically into his mouth. Is that how every transformation happens? Because that seems like not that uh, not that efficient. Put a mask on. Didn't we learn anything from COVID? It's a, ref- it's a reflection. Didn't we learn anything at all? Put your fucking mask on, Batman, and maybe next time you won't turn into a werewolf. Remember, you do the vampire cough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yo, shit. In the, in the chat, um, uh, Amin says, Jason Todd turns into a black sheep. That's good. And then uh, Roboters responds, better than a street urchin. Let's talk about the uh, the Amanda Waller aspect of this. Uh, she goes to meet with the president, whose wife is now an otter. So that's that's unfortunate. Um, what? Why? Why? Why her? Why not him? You know, like who knows? Um, and uh, she says, "Do you really want the planet in the hands of a group of twenty somethings?" So. Is the idea that because this event is called Titans, Beast World, that, like, everyone knows that? Like, does everyone in DC know that this is a Titans problem to solve? Why would she say that? Are they the only people working on this issue? I would imagine that every hero that exists is dealing with this right now. Not just the Titans. Yeah. And and that was something that we mentioned in the first issue, too, is the Justice League group is still there. The core members are still present. And yet they've relinquished this task over to them, which fine for the purposes of maybe I trust them and I can let them do this thing. Okay. But now that Titans are the Titans are the target. The Titans are the target. That's cool. Um, it's I, I, I don't see why they become suddenly the like the heroes. It feels like surely the Justice League would come would, would suddenly come to the rescue. But they're there. The Justice League is there. It's yeah. so bogus. She said the just she says I know you feel about Superman. His team is effective, but the Justice League has stepped aside. No, the fuck they haven't. They're there. Right. Just because they're not running around saying Justice League assemble doesn't mean that they're not there. Would it be different if there was an official league? Are the Titans more effective right now because they're a, they're a designated team over the the body of members who would normally be considered Justice League? It's so... It's so bizarre, and it like it, it just it just takes away. It's so for me, and I know this could be considered pedantic, but for me, it takes away from it when it's like this doesn't make sense. This is silly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. DC has got to explain 
why there is no Justice League. Because as far as I know, there hasn't that hasn't happened. What is the reason why the league doesn't operate as such? Wouldn't this be the moment where, you know, Superman would say, okay, you know, it's time to put the league back together. There's a need. That's so stupid. Yeah. And there's a lot of animal-based heroes as well. I, I know the chat's been talking about um, Animal Man here. And Who is like, Endless. And, and, but he quickly gets cleared off the table. Like, he, I guess, just goes crazy. Right. Um, but... Or, and then you have was it Buana Beast could come in. Uh, th- there's there's a number of heroes who are animal related who would also just make more sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it, but it's but bec- but like it has to be the Titans. This could have just been called Beast World, and then it would focus on different people. But that wouldn't make sense because, well, I guess it would make sense, but they don't want to do that because it's Titans, right? Um, I don't know. I enjoyed this issue, but the, the the DC universe desperately needs to get to the point and explain why there's no Justice League. Like flat out. Flat out. Why is why is there going to be an event down the road that necessitates the league and they'll reform? But this is not that. Yeah. What's the difference? Yep. I don't know. They're, they're, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's really, really, really weird. Uh, if they truly wanted that, they would have had them still be trapped from Dark Crisis. That would have been the play. Yeah, that that, that would have been the play. But they can't do that because those characters also have books that they need to sustain. Sure. There's no beef between the league. They're all happy and friendly. There's no beef. They're just not together. It's bogus. Maybe this is all still a nightmare. I think you might be right. <laughs> I, I, but again, I want to reiterate, I enjoyed this book. All of the things that I just said are not the responsibility or fault of the creative team. Yes, centering the Titans in this way is really odd. But what else would Tom Taylor do? He's the writer of Titans. This book is called Titans Beast World. So, yeah. But I give him credit. This is a good book. I really like the art. Ivan Reese is just, I mean, you talk about a DC, like, A-plus tier level uh, event artist. You call for Ivan Reese, one of the few. One of the few, one of the best. I'm glad he's on this. Uh, He makes it look good. He makes it look easy, frankly. But uh, you know this is hard work. Beast, Batman, and Beast Black Adam look Sick. Sick. Yeah, dude. The uh, transformation even. He's just the lurch and then the, the yo, real cool. That transformation for Batman, that was so sick. Let me pull yeah. that up for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Pull that I'm going to pull that up for you guys because that transformation. So here it is. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. Um, so Batman realizes, oh, shit, something just happened to me. I'm infected. He gets to sweating. <clears throat> which is funny. He gets to sweating. That's how I looked the other night when I was uh, in bed with chills. Um, but he gets to sweating, and then all of a sudden he's got all this hair, and he looks like a, a man beast in, in the face, but still a man. And then it progresses, and now he's got these huge teeth, and he's still talking, and he's saying, I trust you. I trust that you'll 
you know, you won't let this, you like, you won't, uh, you'll find a way. And he says, uh, Dick, please don't let me hurt anyone with these really, really sad green eyes. Now his eyes have changed color, but you can see the last bits of humanity there in his face as he's pleading for Dick to make sure that Batman doesn't harm anybody because he would never want to do that. But then that's the last vestiges of humanity. And now it's all beast. Oh. It's the bat beast. And cool. uh, yeah, it's a beautiful sequence. Where bat. Yeah. Uh, definitely pull. Uh, yeah, pull. I, I think uh, the points you made are salient about the, the quality and um, you know, this it's, it's an obligation on Tom's part for these heroes to be the the forefront um and he's doing what he can with with it and it's fun yeah definitely i changed my answer by the way uh i want to be an octopus that's a lot more you that alligator (laughs) bullshit was bullshit octopus makes a lot more sense tentacle gang and all that Amin says, Ivan Reese made this readable. If this was drawn by the same artist from Night Terrors, it'd be a full pass. I agree. Yeah. I agree. The art did a lot. The art did a lot. Not that Taylor's script was bad. It wasn't bad. I liked it a lot. It's just that if this was, if this had inferior art, uh, you know, I wouldn't have a real reason to be here. Yeah. It wouldn't hook. Yeah. Uh... This all speaks to how weak Dark Crisis was as an event. That's what Atomic Hound said. It's weird because I actually liked Dark Crisis. Um, but it's hard to disagree with that because of the fact that it does things that it can't really pay off. Like it traps the League, but then they're back. Mm. Who cares? It puts the Titans in the, in, the, in the driver's seat, but now the DC Universe actually has to deal with those things. And we can clearly see that they weren't prepared enough to handle this new status quo. They didn't have they didn't have the plans in place to make this feel worth worth doing. As of right now, do I think that centering the, the the Titans and taking the league off the board was the right thing to do in retrospect and in real time? The answer is no. For mm-hmm. the simple fact that nothing good has come of it. The Titans book so far, could be the literal exact same if there was still a league. Think. Of, I want you to really think about that. What is different about Titans that it necessitated that this book could only exist if the league was gone? Think about that. Didn't they, they, they stopped them a friggin' fire? Like, yeah, they were putting out. They were teamed up with Smokey the Bear and were putting out <laughs> forest fires in Borneo. That's ex- that's the kind of shit that you do because there's a league. Oh shit, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman—they got it all sewn up. What are, what else is there to do, Beast Boy? Oh, uh, there's fires in Borneo. All right, yeah, let's go deal with that. And I swear, I saw Smokey pop up on this book, man. He was there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Columbo brings up a, a good point. We are getting a new interior artist for next issue. Lucas Myers coming on, so this will be the last we see of Ivan Reese on interiors. He's still doing the cover work with uh, Danny Miki. Sad. And if that's the draw of this book to some degree, we'll see how issue three plays out. Only you can prevent forest fires. No, only the Titans 
can prevent forest fires because that's all they do. That's all <laughs> they do. Uh, all right. Enough ragging on DC. It's fun. It's fun to do. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, yeah. We read a lot of books this week. We read a lot of books this week. I want to ask you guys. I'm curious. How do you feel about the extended amount of reviews? Do you like hearing us talk about more books or the standard amount of books and then the other stuff that we typically get into at the end? You guys that are here with us live, you guys that are listening to us at any point, uh, we want to hear your feedback. Um, Personally, you know, if we get around to it, if it's a week that 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 is appropriate, I like I like I like the extra books. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it was good and lucked out that we we both read or I read a few issues just separately. Kind of just worked out. How did you manage to read Titans? Uh, <laughs> through work. <laughs> was it? I shouldn't say that. Uh, you know. oh, who's gonna fucking get you? Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. There was definitely a moment where, like, I I went on on lunch here and there, and like, I was like in between certain things. Like, I would have it up here. I was doing my Excel over here. I don't know. Yeah. Would it take you ten minutes? They can spare ten minutes. Yeah, and I, and I kind of like skimmed through to just be like, okay, I just need to get the the gist and whatnot. So yeah. Um, I think Taylor should have pushed the Titans higher. You move them to the Watchtower. You make them beat the League of the Legion of Doom. In the first arc and go from there. Safe choices are not the answer. I agree with you, I mean I think I think you are exactly right. One hundred percent right. Uh more pals plus more books equals more better. You know, unfortunately, AH and all, all the things that I have power over, I do not have power over the amount of pals that are on the pod. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, people's lives come first and you know, I I wanna say a shout out to Tyler. Um it's his story to tell, but, you know, uh, just want to say that I'm thinking about Tyler and uh, he's not here for a reason that is not a BS reason. You know, he's not here because he can't be. And I totally get that. Yeah. Um, 150 books. It's fine. Half the books you buy weekly, right? Dude, you want to see it? You want to see my stack? I'll I'll show Yo, it. Let's do it. Oh, wait, all, right. all right, we we, we kind of we gotta count. We gotta guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Guess, guess. Over under. Okay. okay. Fifty. You, I I I know I know the range of the number. Should we guess before you show it? Yeah. You guys know by now how I do. What was the last? Last time was like nineteen. Last I time say. it was twenty. Twenty on the dot. Or, or it was like it was. Yeah, I think it was twenty. Yeah, it was. I'm gonna say this week. Uh, how about this? Was this a lighter week for you? I thought in my mind it was when I was buy- when I was like get- getting the stuff, but yeah, I'm gonna get my stack. You okay, guys tell okay. me what's the over under. I'm I'm thinking it felt lighter, but some thick books. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna you know I'm gonna stick to to what we had last. I'm gonna say 19. I think 19 might make sense. Damn, Roboters 24. Nah, bro. Who the hell do you think I am? 24. I did have to say no to some books this week. I did have to overlook some things because it's just too it's just too much. Um Wow. Even 22, a 20. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> 22. 24. Jesus. 23. Who do you guys think I am? Um all right. So I'll show it. I'll show it now. 
Okay. And okay. then we'll go through it. So here it is. This is the stack. Ooh, All I, right. over, I think I overestimated. That's that's it's juicy. It's juicy, but let let's go over it. So this is what I bought this week, okay? And I'm gonna show off I'm gonna, I'll show off the covers. We got a little time. Let's fuck around. And, and hit the like button, by the way, please. Everybody hit the like button. If you're here with us right now, smash that like button. Miles Morales, Spider Man, uh oh, okay. thirteen, the gang war issue. Crossover. Um, yup. Blade. Had to buy Blade. Thought it might win the poll this week. There was no chance of that, but it's a great book anyway. Uh, so that's two so far. Danger Street. Oh, have you kept up? Hell no, but I buy it. Um, I've, I've been reading. I've uh, I've been working through some of it on the DC app. Okay. Yeah, I gotta I gotta finish. I gotta get get through that. Uh, Batman four twenty eight. Yes, I did. Yes, I fucking did. Did you buy really? the Robin Lives issue? I had to. How could I not? I meant to read it for the show, uh, but I just didn't have the chance to get around to it. You but pull I, it up again? Put it up again? Yeah, yeah, see? yeah. Wow, that's cool, man. I saw it online, and I was like, oh, that's all right. Cool. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I've never read the actual death issue, so that'll be that'll be interesting to me. Uh, surprise. Um, Jason Todd doesn't make it. Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, Green Lantern. Had to get Green Lantern course detective comics uh captain america i i really like uh what um straczynski's doing i beyond real number one this is a uh the vault one yes yeah um and then of course the stuff we've read for the show titans x-men uh thor masterpiece luke cage beneath the trees action so what is that what is that let's see actually I've lost count. I was focused on the, One, the books here. Two, reading. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Oh, over. fifteen. So a lighter week. Okay. Okay. A lighter week. I, yeah, I should have listened to that. Okay. Dang. So all Nobody those crazy twenty-somethings, you guys, you guys, you caught it. You caught me on the wrong week. I'm trying to do better. Okay, if you're on the Patreon and you read my latest newsletter, you know that I am really thinking about this and I'm trying to lower my stack because I'm pulling way too many damn books. Um, have I succeeded? No, but I'm working Rel- on it. Relatively, I'd say relatively. You know, the, the last time we did it, it was 25 less. It's not bad. Dude, this week. I think la- last week it was 17. Oh, maybe some that. It was still up there. It was still up there. I don't. Did we even? I don't think we talked about it last week. Uh, I don't recall actually. Yeah, we, I don't it think we did. We prior. didn't into that. Yeah. Um, let's see, let's see the comments. Uh, I like you talking about more books, especially of highlight stuff I wouldn't normally hear about. Thank you for that feedback, Dan. I appreciate the honesty. Um, Brandon, I buy a lot of books. I like to hear other people's opinions on them. I'm the same way. Uh, Justin, wow, look at you being in the chat. That's cool, dude. Welcome. I prefer the extra books. We always have the Saturday show for other stuff. Uh, okay. Oh, fair enough. Drace says, I'm good with more books, and I like the extra topics after as well. Nice. Thank you. Christian says, this was one of the best poll shows I've ever heard. Wow, thank you so much. It's very nice of you. Yeah, yeah, Sean's weekly stack. <laughs> what is that, a segment now? Might we're as well this, be. We're doing this every week. 
I, I, I can't do it. I just have to flip through Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all these. Oh, man. Hey, look, guys, we're going to jump. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and chatting. It's always a pleasure. You guys rock. Those of you who stick with us throughout all the chatter, we really appreciate you. I know that I was a little bit miffed earlier, so I apologize. But we had a good one. Uh, We had a good show, good time with you all chatting, getting through some comics together. Hope you guys are having a great week. We have a big Saturday planned. Jeff Johns of Ghost Machine is going to be joining us. We're going to talk about everything that's going on with Ghost Machine, the new Geiger books, what we can expect expect from the impending Ghost Machine number one, and, you know, we're going to have fun with Jeff Johns. I have a plan, and I will share that plan with you guys because I trust you. My plan is to get Jeff Johns to do one of the final drafts of the year with us. Ooh, let's go. That's my plan. Secret. Keep it a secret. Yeah, don't tell anybody. It's just us. So hopefully we can make that happen. We'll see you on Saturday. Patreon.com slash the comics pals. The comics pals on YouTube.com slash the comics pals. Click the join button to become a channel member. If you like us, if you fuck with us, I see those emojis in the chat. Really appreciate y'all so much. We're going to jump till next time. We thank you. We love you. Take care guys. See you next week.